podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. This episode contains some strong language. Morning, hello and welcome to Voices of the Vic podcast with myself, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Ayton. Ben, how are you doing this Thursday morning, considering last night's um, last night's good result, I'll call it. Good morning, mate. Um, yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, another three points on the road. I can't complain. Uh, we look so much better going forward. Um, it's refreshing to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying watching these Watford performances um, up to 80 minutes, I'd say. Um, last 10 minutes, <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. It's been a bit nervy the last two or three games and it is, it's not doing any of our health any good. Um, but other than that, I'm doing all good, mate. Um, good how, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. Um, I've upped the ante a little bit with my training this week. So I've been doing, um, instead of just going on a walk after work, I've been going on a one mile run at lunch and then doing a three and a half mile walk in the evening. So I'm doing double the amount. Although yesterday I went out to do my walk and my legs just sort of said to me, yeah, this isn't going to last, mate. So I had to come <laughs> back. Um, so I'll be back at it today. Uh, but my legs have been in absolute bits. So hopefully I lost four pound last week. So hopefully I'll be able to lose a bit more this week. Uh, Wayne is to tomorrow on Friday so um, fingers crossed um, but yeah other than that all good as you say nervy last 10 minutes it's a common theme uh, my brother made a great point while I was watching the game with him you'd have thought we'd have got used to this as Watford fans but uh, no <laughs> it doesn't get any easier <laughs> sort of watching behind the sofa if you like so it gets yeah, harder but, if anything yeah yeah that's what I said to him um, so you know it's it's one of them but um we held on, so I can't ask for much more. Um, you, I think, you know, we, we always tend to start with the team news and, and today will be no different. I think there are a lot of people sort of hoping still that we stuck with the same system and see if maybe Sierra Elta was going to come in. There was two changes from Friday night. Chalobah was rested, so we're told, on the Watford Twitter, um, and Cathcart come out, and then Gosling and Sierra Elta come in. Now, to me, Ben, I was pretty happy with that team, Luce. Uh Can't argue with Chalaba being rested. Perhaps didn't want to risk... They won't admit it on there, but perhaps they don't want to risk him getting a yellow card. So Gosling come in, who um, I'm surprised. I saw a lot of um, a lot of slander towards him on, um, on Twitter afterwards, but I thought he had a pretty good game. But um, before we go into that, team Luce, Ben, were you happy with that team that he put out? Yeah, no complaints from my side. I really liked the look of a start in 11. Um, like you say, um, Chalaba being rested or um, trying to avoid him picking up that 10th yellow card that had made him miss the Bournemouth game, was, I thought was quite sensible. 
um, was probably needed as well and probably needed a rest as well. He's played a lot of consecutive games lately. Mm. Um, so, And he, I said last week, he's becoming an important player for this side now, especially with this midfield three. So it was important for him not to get overtired or pick up a little injury or even a suspension ahead of a Bournemouth game at the weekend. So no complaints for me. And to see Serial to come back into the starting line, it was exactly what we needed, especially with um, how we struggled um, against Derby last week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think a lot of people probably thought, would it be worth maybe playing Shalabra and then subbing him off? Or, but I think bringing, bringing Gosling in was, was the right call. Um, so it was great to see that we, we, we still sticking with that 4-3-3 formation because you just never, never know. I mean, their pitch, Ben, Jesus, we've played on some pitches this year, but that plus the weather that was up there, um, I think straight away we knew that if we were going to get something out of this game, we were going to have to do it in the first half because that pitch was only going to get worse as the game went on. It, it was terrible. That's by far the worst pitch in the championship that we've seen this season. Uh, I think but it, it it affected both sides. I think yes. first 15, 20 minutes, all, all you could see was it was just long ball. It was going back to the goalkeeper and they was hitting it long downfield for the attackers to chase it because you couldn't play football on that pitch. It was dreadful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're absolutely spot on there. It was affecting both teams, which usually when you play on a sort of a crap pitch like that, and we've played on a few crap pitches, and listen, it's, it's not a dig against any club, it's not a dig against any groundsman. Um, it's obviously to do with the quick turnaround of last season to this season. Uh, we're in a very privileged position where we seem to have our sorted uh, no matter what. So, But we usually see the home side, sort of, they're used to it, so they can play well with it. But even last night, I think Blackburn struggled. And you could see that the ball was stopping short sometimes and just sort of, it would stop dead um, when, when whenever they were bringing the ball down or waiting for it to bounce. Uh, so, yeah, that, that massively affected us. Um, although it was Blackburn that had the first chance of the game, Ben. Four minutes in, Rothwell had the first strike, but nothing... Dan Backman wasn't equal to uh, pretty routine save, really. Um, but in the first sort of 10, 20 minutes, it, it was it was very, very open. It really could have gone all the way. And do you think that it was a, perhaps um, the, the best start for us? Or do you think we could have started a little bit better or... You know what? For the first 60 seconds, I thought we started really well. Um, mm. We was right in their face. Um, I think it was a quick start and Pedro held up the ball and then played inside. Sara was away. He got to the edge of the box and his um, cross was uh, turned away for a corner. But then mm. after that, it went a little bit flat from Watford. I think maybe Blackburn was pushing a bit more for the opening goal. Um, I think Armstrong um, cut in on the right-hand side and had a shot, which was... Um, superbly charged down by Husey to get the block in and then it was just uh, Blackburn was just causing maybe a bit more threat going forward we couldn't really find that cutting edge um, but we saw it about 5-10 minutes later on the 24th minute when we got the opening goal Yeah well I mean be- before that we also saw um, a brilliant brilliant pass from Hughes I mean we're, I'm sure we'll touch on how magnificent he was again but he played in Ishmael Asar. And it was a brilliant ball to find him and it completely split the defence. And Saar, I mean, personally, I think he should have done better with the shot. I don't yeah. think his first touch helped and I don't think the way he connected with the ball helped. But he, he forced a save out of Kaminsky, I think their goalkeeper was, um, yeah. who I thought was very, very shaky last night. 
there was a couple of times where he'd go, he, instead of picking it up, he'd kick it or he'd save it with his feet. And he just looked very unconvincing. So I don't know if that's what he's always like. I mean, he had a couple of shaky moments when we played them last um, in the reverse fixture. But um, he did look very, very shaky. But yeah, so I would say that that Saar chance was the first real chance. Um, he did draw a, it a little bit, it. didn't he? He um, did, massively. He did didn't get a proper connection on it but it was great work from um, Will Hughes great vision to play him through it's refreshing to see that we're playing Hughesy now he's fully fit he's getting games in week in week out and mm-hmm. it's it's nice to actually have a, a, a midfielder with a bit of creativity because um, I think we have struggled prior to Hughesy coming back into the side to create chances like that yeah yeah and as you say Ben it wasn't long after that chance I think Tom Cleverley was it that Dinked the long ball over, possibly. Yeah. Um, and I, it was a really weird one because I saw the ball go over. The Blackburn defence just stopped and did something that you taught never to do from a young age at football and is to place the whistle. They just stopped. A couple had their hands in the air. The keeper was still on his line. Yet João Pedro was still chasing it. And next thing you know, Kaminsky comes out to try it and obviously punch the ball away, Pedro gets there, he completely takes out Pedro, and you're thinking, where's that going to drop? And then he dropped and went in, and I was half expecting the referee to have blown for offside or something, but he didn't. And I, I said to my brother watching that yesterday, I think, and this might sound a bit harsh, but I think under Vladimir Ivic, would we have seen Pedro chasing that ball down? Would we have seen that sort of determination? Um, I mean, we might not have even seen Pedro at all, but would we have seen Pedro chase that down? I don't think we would have. So I think it just shows the confidence that's flowing through his veins at the moment, Ben, that he did chase that ball down and it, the, the rewards paid off in the end. And I, I think my, um, I think had that not gone in or it gone over or anything, I think the referee would have given a penalty. But brilliant, brilliant determination from João Pedro to find the back of the net and score his ninth goal of the season, Ben. He's really, really starting to, uh, to to hit the ground running now. I think that's scored him back-to-back games or is it the last, even the last three, is it, that he's scored him? Yeah, he's, he's got three goals in three games now for yeah. João Pedro. Um, a brilliant return now. Um, we're starting to see what we, we believe they he could produce when he plays week in, week out. He's going to yeah. deliver. Um, he's getting the game time the confidence is through the roof um, the link up play between him Sema and Saar is incredible um, our front three look really frightening and they can cause problems for any side in this division but Joel Pedro for a 19 year old to come over from Brazil I know this is his first full season but for him to leave the line he, that he's doing for yeah. Watford it, it's just superb it's brilliant um, it's a fair play to him because he, he's doing a fantastic job yeah, what I like about Sar as well, obviously he's bulked up a little bit, but uh, not Sar, sorry, Pedro, he's, he's bulked up a little bit and he'll drop deep to win the ball and then yeah. bring others into play and then get back into position where he needs to be. I mean, there was a chance later on in the second half where um, Sar went on this brilliant run and then put the ball in perfectly, but Pedro wasn't quite there. So there's still a few bits to his game that he needs to tweak, and that will only help with more game time. But, I mean, I just love the way that he drops deep. And it's nice to see a number nine, or it's nice to see a striker actually drop deep, win the ball, 
sort of outmuscle their opponent and then sort of bring others into play and then still be in a position to to get that tap in or so, um, which is something we haven't seen, unfortunately, with Troy or Andre this last couple of seasons. Um, so it is refreshing to see that. Um, it didn't take long then once that goal had gone in. And I think it was either John Marks or Tommy Mooney alluded to it. If we wanted to win that game, we had to do so in the first half because, or oh, we had to at least get on the front foot in the first half because that pitch definitely wasn't helping. Um, the rain was just coming down. At one stage, I was worried that it might get called off purely because in some areas of the pitch, the ball was just stopping dead. So I was really, really worried. Um, but it was evident that we got, well, it was crucial that we got that first goal and, and we did. Uh, and I think that just set us up for the game or so it looked at the time, you know, after that, that, that was on the 24th, 25th minute, 33 minutes in, Saar produces another good save or smart save from Kaminsky. Um, and I think he, um, from the resulting corner, Dan Gosling just struck over. Um, yeah. Ben, I want to talk about Dan Gosling because I've seen, on, I went on Twitter after the game and I saw a lot of people saying Gosling was really poor and Gosling looked shaky. I don't know if it's just me and obviously you might, you might have that opinion as well, but I don't know if it's just me, but I thought he actually played pretty decent. Um, I thought he had a solid game. I don't think he set the world alight, but I don't mm. think he did anything wrong in the game. I just thought he just had a solid performance. Um, yeah. I've seen mixed reviews like yourself on Twitter. Some people slating him and some people praising him. So yeah. I just think you're going to get that with Dan Gosling because there's people out there who aren't, wasn't happy with his um, signing. So whenever yeah. he maybe loses a ball or over hits a pass, there's going to be people on his back saying, oh, he's had a terrible game. When actually yeah. he, he did all right yesterday, but he didn't do nothing wrong. I think as well, maybe people, because of how well Chalaba's playing, they're perhaps trying to compare the two in, in, the, in the game, in the style of the game, which would be yeah. a massive... There's no comparisons to um, Chalaber's performance last week, and to find out that he actually he was actually sick on the day of that game last week, and he produced the um, performance of a season for Chalaber. So there's no comparisons on Gosling and Chalaber when Chalaber's playing like that. See, he was on fire last week, and he's a better uh, player than Gosling when he's performing like that. But it was difficult for Gosling to come in on his first start when the pitch was terrible like that. You can't really get the ball down and play. Um, but yeah, he, he did all right. There's no complaints for me. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, I just thought it needed addressing from our side uh, because, you know, I, I was very, very surprised to see some of the slander he was getting. Um, I thought, is it just me or yeah, but that's interesting to know your thoughts as well. So I mentioned that he put it over Um Really unlucky, to be honest, to uh, to put it over from there. He, he looked like he, he knew what he was doing, but then it went over. So um, that was on the 33rd minute. Six minutes later, 39th, saw brilliant to to react as quickly as we did. And again, under Ivich, would we have seen this sort of determination? Is this just shows the confidence that the lads have got at the moment and the momentum? Jao Pedro did well to to hold the ball where it was. He forced a decent save out of Kaminsky. And there was Saar on the left-hand side, may I add, as well. So he's not even on his right side. It just goes to show the confidence that these players have got. And he just pokes it in and it's 2-0. Uh, really routine goal, really scrappy goal, but 
Ben, who cares? A goal's a goal. And Ishmael Assar, um, that was his eighth of the season, I want to say. So yeah. he, he continues to to do really, really well. He's 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 another one who's hitting a bit of a sort of a purple patch, if you like. Yeah, well, he's playing in his better position now, isn't he? Yeah. he, he we're getting the best out of Sara, and that's what we've been crying out for all season. Play him as a right winger, and you're going to get the uh, joy out of him. Um, I thought it was fantastic play from um, Kiko again, um, running down the right-hand side. He runs through anything, even if a sticky pitch like that, he, he'll run through it and dribble past players. And he yeah. did that yesterday. Delivered a good ball into the box. Joe Pedro got it out of his feet, had a shot, safe for by Kaminsky. But it was, yeah, great hunger and desire to um, react from Saar just to get on the end of that to tap at home. And I don't know about you, but I thought that was very similar to um, Stoke away. I think Saar um, had a shot saved or something and then Pedro reacted really quickly and he was brought down um, for the penalty. Yes, um, so yeah, I, it was I, best, yeah. So, so maybe this is something that Munes has uh, brought in because like you said, we haven't seen this before mm. um, under Ivic and we, we're starting to see it now. That's a couple of examples that we've just given of Watford actually just chasing the ball down and just, just keep going until like the ball stopped dead. Um, yeah. Keep going until you pull it in the back of the net and they're doing it and getting the rewards out of it. That's two goals out of two um, chances. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's testament to this you know, formation that we're playing, it shows a lot of the, the momentum that's in the club at the moment. And do you know what? It's nice to see us really playing with this urgency and wanting to get more goals away from home. Because as we all know, heading into the game, we'd scored the second's least amount of goals. Um, those like down the M1 had scored the least, which was great. I Like I said um, in the last podcast, I'm more than happy for them to keep with that uh, record. But We've, we've now sort of bumped ourselves up a little bit in terms of goals scored away from home. Um, not sure how the goals conceded record is faring up now because it was the best, uh, but we've now conceded 11 away from home, I believe. Um, but we're now up to eighth in the away table. Now, it wasn't long ago we were talking, you know, I went on um, I went on Rover's chat and uh, spoke to Ryan on his live stream. And one of the things he was keen to point out was our poor away form. Uh, and he was right to do so. You know, we, we, we're we not doing very well away from home. But how many more wins or how many more draws is it going to take for people to say, well, Watford have got one of the best away records in the division. We're now in the top 10 of the best away records. So it's mad how things can change in such a short space of time. Um, but Ben, that was 2-0. And you're thinking, right, home and host, so to speak. Um, pardon the pun because of how much it was pissing down. Um, but you, you think, Right, a little bit of breathing space. It's five or so minutes till half time. Let's get into half time, two nil, and then we can sort of see it from there. And you know, in the second half, we can hopefully push for a third and really kill the game. Uh, unfortunately, Ben, Watford don't tend to make things easy for themselves, do they? Um, we put a snippet out on yesterday, uh, on Wednesday, of Ryan from Rovers chat giving his danger man for Blackburn or the player to watch uh, and lo and behold he goes and bags one so whether we continue doing them I don't know because um, <laughs> yeah it may be a bit of a jinx but now I'm sure we will continue doing them um, Harvey Elliott pulled one back for the host Ben and it, it was um, <laughs> what was 
we've got we've got loads of questions by the way guys if you're still listening and you're thinking where are the questions we, we're going to do what we did last week and wait until after the game to answer them but one of the questions is about Messina but Ben what what is Messina doing there like you just put your foot through it. I don't care if he puts the foot through it and it goes out for a throw in, whether it goes into Rosette, whether it goes straight up the other end of the pitch and they win it back and start again from the back. Just what is he doing? I'd love to give you an actual reason of what he was actually doing, but honestly, I don't know. Um, it, Watford in themselves had four opportunities to get rid of that ball. I watched it back this morning. Uh, Batman, it was a poor kick from Batman that fell to Blackburn in the midfield. Yeah. Uh, they drove forward. Um, Shusey didn't really get a proper connection on a tackle. Another chance of trying to get rid of it. And then the one that pissed me off the most is Messina on the edge of a box. What was he doing? It was pissing about on the edge of a box. Like you say, just put your foot through it, put it into the stands. That's why yeah. Serialta is so successful at the club at the moment, because when he gets into positions like that, he doesn't care. He'll hit it into the stands. Um, he's not trying to tr- try and do anything pretty. You just get rid of it, reset, and then you, you can go again. But yeah. he, I don't know what he was trying to do on the edge of a box there. It was like he was trying to do a pirouette and like, trying to dink it upfield, but he got caught in possession. Then Harvey Elliott um, just put it into a roof of the net. Fantastic finish from him, but yeah. that was poor from Watford. That was a poor goal to concede. Massively poor. And we've seen Messina try these little pirouettes and, you know, these little flicks and that before. And sometimes they come off and sometimes they don't. But if if I was Munoz there, I, I'd, I'd have been absolutely grilling Messina at half-time. Just like you've said, just put your foot through it. Very, very good finish. But the, the fact that we had four chances to really clear that, um, that goal right before half-time is not what you need because that's when the pressure really starts and they start knocking on the door. Um, that evidently, that um, also, sorry, was the first goal that we've conceded whilst Will Hughes has been on the pitch this season. Uh, big shout out to second tier pod for uh, for pointing that stat out. But, uh, yeah, cheers for putting that gonna, out. Yeah, he just knew it was going to jinx it. Uh, and then our mate Jack uh, mentioned it and we actually said, thanks for jinxing us now. Um, so yeah, thanks for that, Jack. Um, but yeah, that was two minutes before half time. Obviously a nervy couple of minutes because I think they added on two minutes. I don't know where they get this time from sometimes, but they added on two minutes of injury time. And even that was a bit of a tough flow. Let's, can we get into the break at 2-1? Uh, we did manage to. So we had 51% possession at the break. They had 49. We, ben, this is a stat that really blows my mind because we were away from home. We had 12 shots at half-time, four of which were on target. They had four shots, two on target. We had two corners and we both had 196 passes. But, I mean, I know we've touched on this a little bit already, but does that sort of show that, the confidence is really flowing now and perhaps whatever it was that was bugging us when we were playing away earlier in the season is completely banished now and the shackles are off, so to speak, because 12 shots, regardless, you know, away from home is is brilliant, especially at half time. Yeah, well, I think I've seen now that that's five games unbeaten away from home now for Watford. So we are slowly sorting it out. Um, The crisis that we was on about with the away format, I think it's slowly ending. And thankfully it's ending because it was (laughs) dreadful. Um, But touching on the first half, it was... I was quite happy with it. I thought it was was a very decent professional first half performance bar the 
kissing the belt of Messina. Um, yeah. We we was dominating the ball. Um, Gosling and Hughes controlled the midfield. I thought um, we, we seemed to manage the game quite well. And we, we was like you say, we're pressing high, playing with a tent, creating chances, having twelve chances in the first half is unheard of for Watford and then it was great to see Saar and Pedro both getting on the score sheet in the first half yeah absolutely so obviously 2-1 at half time second half starts you're thinking right let's get a goal let's get that breathing space again and then hopefully we can kill the game dead Um, 50 minutes on the clock Ben there was a brilliant chance I think it was Saar that crossed it and I think it was it fell to Ken Semmer, who looked like he had the freedom of Ewood Park. And I, maybe, I don't know if this is a, a thing, but maybe he had too much time to adjust himself. And he's hit it. Um, and it was a good save in the end from Kaminsky. Um, but do you think he perhaps should have done better there, Ben? Or do you think it was... Because I thought, A, he had too much time and he just put it straight at the keeper. Just put it in one of the corners. Yeah, it's one of those where I feel like he, he had too much time. If he if he didn't have too much time to think about it, he might have like sliced it into the corner of the net. Um, I think he maybe hit it a bit too well. And yeah. we've seen this before with like Andre Gray, where he miss hits chances and they end up going in the back of the net. We kind of needed Semma to watch what Andre Gray does in training to score that. Never thought you'd hear yourself say that, did you, Ben? No, well, actually, <laughs> I'm going to praise Gray later on when he yes. came on. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, he um, Andre Gray. By the way, I still am yet to see him score a like complete finish. Every goal he scored for Watford, from memory, he's he's miss hit it, um, which I find quite funny. Um, but Ben, I, we'll talk about Semmer again in a little bit because because of the obvious reason. But I, up until that point, I don't really in that first half. I don't like doing this, but I don't think he really was involved as much. I, I think he was very, very quiet. He found it hard to get involved in the game. Um, perhaps fatigue. You know, there, there were. I know my brother was talking to me about the lineup, um, and he was saying that he would have rested Semmer because Semmer looks knackered. Uh, but he, he was very, very quiet in that first half. Is that something you'd agree with, or? Yeah, I've seen a few people on Twitter saying that they might have rested Semmer coming into this because he did look quite tired in the yeah. game against Derby at the weekend. And then seeing his first half performance as well, he, he wasn't really, he wasn't getting going, was he? Um, yeah. He was struggling. I don't know if that was down to the pitch. I think most players would struggle on the pitch like that. But he seemed to like turn it up in the second half. He found that extra uh, 10, 20% and it was much needed and he got his res- uh, rewards for it in the end. He did indeed, Ben, because that chance was on the 50th minute. Fast forward 11 minutes and uh, he finally gets his chance and I, I don't know whether he was due to come off and that goal saved him from coming off, but Zinkanaga was on the sideline waiting to come on. Um, which we'll touch upon in a little bit as well. But yeah, he did brilliantly. He put it onto his left, struck it across the goal and then into the back of the net. And again, a bit more breathing space. There was half an hour or so to play. And that's when you're thinking, right, okay, we can breathe again now. Uh, But he took the finish well, didn't he, Ben? Yeah, he took it really well. I thought it was a good play from Gosling. Gosling with yeah. the ball over halfway, finds Pedro. Pedro lays it off straight away to Sema. Um, Sema dr- drives to the edge of the box, shifts it onto his left foot, strikes across the goal, and it passed Kaminsky. Kaminsky maybe could have done better, but I think it, was, it was a great, powerful finish um, away from a keeper into the corner of the net. And it, it was great to see all front 
all of the front three bagging goals yesterday. I thought um, maybe the first time this season we've seen all three on a score sheet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can't think of any... I was going to say Bristol City, but um, Gerald Pedro didn't score against Bristol yeah. City, did he? So, but yeah, it, it was good to see they all got their rewards. Every every single one of them worked hard yesterday and they, they got the goal. That was Gerald Pedro picking up an assist yesterday as well. Um, so he, he walked away with a goal and an assist yesterday. I thought it was incredible. I think he was probably my man of the match just um, ahead of Husey, who I thought was fantastic as well. Maybe produced his first um, his best performance of the season as well. But yeah, Joe Pedro probably edged it for man of the match for me yesterday. Very interesting. Um, you messaged me um, about 60 minutes in and you said <laughs> substitution for Watford. And lo and behold, Ben, we went and made one. Um, Zinkenagel coming on for Gosling, which meant that Zinkenagel was playing in the middle. I, I'm really not sure why he keeps putting him in the middle. Like, we all know that he's he gets you get the best out of him supposedly um, out on the flanks, so out on the side. Uh, but I don't know why he keeps playing in the middle. And I thought that Gosling was doing a good enough job to sort of warrant that midfield free place. Um, and Zinkenagel is not someone you really, I don't know. Um, sort of think of when you, you're chasing down loose balls and and really running like an engine. So that perhaps was a little bit of an odd substitution. Have you have you got anything to add on top of that or See, I'm I'm a little bit different to you. I thought when he came on he he looked like he was fitting into a number 10 role and I thought um seeing his stats over in Norwegian uh, for Norwegian league, you get the best out of him in a number ten role on the right hand side, where he probably got all his um, most of his goals and assists was on his right. But if it, he wasn't on the right, it was in a number ten role. And I thought watching him yesterday, it was a better performance from him um, than the Preston away game, um, better than the Derby home game. Um, and then when we made a sub later on to bring on Wilmot and push him over onto the left, I thought, oh, this is. This is he's back to what he was doing in a, for a couple of weeks before. Mm-hmm. I thought we was getting the best out of him in the number ten role, and then when the other sub happened and he was pushed over on the left, that's where he struggled again. Do you think we changed formation when he came on, Ben? Because when I was watching it, um, it looked like it was only one up front at one stage, and it was per- perhaps a four-two-three-one or a four-three-two-one, I should say. Um, I thought it was the same formation. Oh, to I be fair, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was the same formation. I thought it stayed like that throughout the whole game. Hmm. Yeah. No, it was interesting. My, my brother pointed it out to me and I thought, OK, I can sort of see where you're coming from there. Um, but yeah, Ben, the man himself almost got a goal on the 69th minute. Sierra Elta, he was so close, but it was cleared off the line. Um, how brilliant would it have been if Sierra Elta would have scored? They would have been partying until the early hours in Chile. <laughs> Street parties on the streets of Chile, weren't they? Exactly. Had to celebrate their king from scoring. He had two opportunities, didn't he? He had a header. Um, in that first half as well, wasn't it? Yeah, he had a header in the first half as well. But this chance in the 69th minute, he had two chances. He had a header and then it fell back to him. And then he went for the um, overhead kick, which was cleared <laughs> off the line, which was unfortunate. But it won't be long until he starts scoring because he, he is a monster and he is dangerous in the opposition um, box. He is indeed. We've we've seen a couple of um, overhead kicks, bicycle kicks recently. Uh, Deli Alley last night, um, Olivier Giroud. So it would have been complete if Sierra Elta had sort of topped it off and added to the list. Um, I, I will talk to you about the 
partner of Sierra tonight, um, the defence partner. Uh, but I'll mention it when we go to the questions because, yeah, my, my thoughts on his game were uh, perhaps different to others. But we did see that substitution that you were talking about, the double change later on on the 77th minute, Ben. Ben Wilmot coming on for Sema, which then inevitably saw Zinconagel move over to the left-hand side. And then Andre Gray coming on for João Pedro. Um, yes, João Pedro's still young, but yes, he's still adapting to English football. So I think it was about right that he was actually substituted. Um, ben, You couldn't risk him picking up an injury for this um, game at Bournemouth either. You couldn't go into that game just playing Andre Gray up front. So I think it was a wise decision to take him off in the 75th minute. Absolutely. And he... It is a big game against Bournemouth, even though we are 11 points clear of Bournemouth. That is absolutely mad. Me and Ben were talking about this before we started recording. 11 points clear of Bournemouth. Um, but Ben, I, I, Ben Wilmer obviously played in that midfield. Um, and then Andre Gray, I personally thought Andre Gray did all right, you know? You know what? When he comes on normally as a substitution, he falls on his arse straight away. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was something different about Gray yesterday. He looked strong on the ball as well. Uh, mm. He showed desire. I thought when he held up the ball, he was brilliant. Um, he was he was linking up play. Um, it, he held the ball in the corner for about thirty seconds towards the end as well, which really helps us as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I thought I thought away from a penalty area, um, I thought he was really good. Um, I don't think he actually had an opportunity to get in the box to have a shot. And that's may- maybe where we would see the best of Andre Gray um, or maybe not the best of Andre Gray. But yeah, outside the box, we've said it all season. His work rate's pretty good. Off the ball, he is good. Um, but yesterday, I think we saw a little bit new from Andre Gray. He was working hard for the team and he was holding the ball up play uh, well and linking other players into the team. So it, it was a good little cameo appearance from Gray. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, as you say, will just slate him regardless. But I, I thought he did all right yesterday. And, you know, his record against Blackburn, uh, three and three from what I believe, or well, three and four now. Um, so pretty decent return. So maybe in his head, he probably fancied himself to get on the score sheet. But I think if we are going to try and accommodate Andre Gray, I think this is the formation for it. And I think you said that to me, Ben, earlier in the week. Um, so obviously it was still 3-1. Watford, as always, don't like making it easy for themselves. 82 minutes on the clock. I was really disappointed with this one, Ben. Downing puts a corner in at the back post. Brereton, who I thought did really well in the first game against us, he scored that brilliant goal. But Brereton... Yeah. Um, stabbed it in at the back post but I thought really really poor defending uh, and that seemed to be the order of the night for Watford unfortunately um, I was quite disappointed with the sloppy defending did the pitch have something to do with it did the weather have something to do with it I don't know because they're professional footballers at the end of the day so they should be able to play regardless but um, I thought it was really poor goals to concede and really unnecessary as well um, and it made for a really really tough ending uh, I thought the pitch had nothing to do with the second goal. I thought it was a good cross from Downing, but it was poor. There was no one attacking the ball in our six-yard box. It completely went through him. And there was Breverton, who maybe outstrength cleverly to, and showed a bit more desire to get there at the far post. And that's yeah. his second goal against Watford this season. But again, it's another poor goal to concede. And yeah. maybe we're showing a bit of a weakness at set pieces now because against Derby, we couldn't handle them. And then this weekend... 
uh, well, not this weekend, last night against Blackburn, conceded from a set piece and maybe we're showing a bit of a weakness now. Yeah, I mean, I hope not. You know, I hope it's just a, a two-game blip. But yeah, could have done without that. Now, I don't... I think this was an injury time that this happened. There was an almighty scare um, from Blackburn to go and grab that th- third goal and ultimately equalise. Uh, and I have to tip my hat off to Dan Batman because it was a very, very good sort of reaction snapshot save. Stuart Downing crossed a brilliant ball in. Again, um, I don't think it was a foul. I think James Linnington was very, very soft. Uh, didn't want to get his cards out last night, which cost me 125 quid, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, he penalised Tom Cleverley, and Tom Cleverley sort of told him what he thought of him after he blew the whistle. Um, Stuart Downing whips a ball in. It goes to the back post. It looks like they're going to cut it across for an easy tap-in, but Dan Backman gets something on it, which is brilliant, and then we clear it. But ultimately, Ben, the main important thing was, even though it was a really tough last 10 minutes, we held on for the win. Another win away from home, four in a row now that we've won. Full-time possession stats, 52.5% for Blackburn, 475 for us. So that change of emphasis in the second half, because it was all Blackburn in that last 10 minutes. 17 shots on goal, seven on target for Watford. 10 shots in total for Blackburn, five on target for Watford, seven corners for Blackburn, six for Watford, 412 passes for Blackburn and 369 passes for Watford. But Ben, the main thing is we held on, um, which turns out to be a big three points because Swansea won and Brentford won last night. But Ben, the most important thing is we keep in pressure on that second spot place, aren't we? Yeah, we're keeping the momentum going. We're, we're just concentrating on our own results. We're not worried about the teams above us. They're more worried about the teams below us like us. Um, yeah. We've caught up on points with uh, Brentford now. Um, about a week and a half ago, we was nine points behind Brentford. Now we're 11 on points with Brentford. We're, we're um, joint second place with them, just behind them on goal difference. And like I said to you before we started recording, if we can keep in touch with the top four, Come the end of the season, we're playing Brentford, Swansea, Norwich. They're the games you have to win. So yeah. if we can keep in touch with them now and win those games against them, that could get us a promotion that we all want at the end of the season. But I must say that was this massive, massive result yesterday. Another game where we grinded it out. I know um, we could have made it a lot easier for ourselves yesterday, but we showed great character and desire there yesterday to to hold on. And it, it's good to see. Maybe we're seeing a bit of a... Um, a switch now uh, in in the season where it's all clicking finally now and the players are all playing for each other and playing for the shirt and that's what we wanted to see we wanted to see a bit of passion and we're seeing it now it's it's great to see the front three that all clicking now they're getting assists they're getting goals it's just good to see now um we're playing with flair confidence and grinding out results and working hard for each other. And I must say, special mention to Cleverly and Hughes. Um, since Decore and uh, Capoue have left in the summer, they've really stepped up their game. Mm-hmm. We all knew it was going to be difficult to replace the likes of them too with their quality. But Cleverly this season has been absolutely outstanding. And Hughesy to come back at the time that he has done has helped us out and really um, catapulted us into this massive 
automatic promotion push now. Uh, maybe we was thinking, oh, we need to hold on to a playoff spot before Hughesy came back. But now, with his momentum and Watford's momentum, we're looking for that automatic promotion now. And long may it continue. Absolutely. I second everything you've just said, Ben. Absolutely. And again, much like the Derby and Preston game, it was our first league double over Rovers since 1982. But the Preston and Derby, we'd never done a double over them. So very, very interesting. Uh, I've got right. a quick, um, quick one as well um, for um, people that are interested in comparisons as well. Watford are four points off after um, 32 games of the 2014 and 15 promotion seasons. Wow. So, you know, for those that like to compare the two, there's your stat, Mr. Statman. Thank you very much, Ben. Right, moving on to our new feature, Ben, where we the questions that we get in, and thank you very much for the questions, guys. There's a lot of questions being sent in for this week. Uh, we discuss them at the end. So um, we, we had a question from Nipper Harrison that says, where do baby SARS come from? Um, that is quite a question. Um, it's some really fast breeding grounds, probably. <laughs> he's absolutely rapid. Um, so more like, what are they feeding baby SARS? Because the guy's an animal. Um, we've had uh, another question we've had from Smithy WFC 85, James Smith. Ben, who do you think our best defensive partnership is? Because, and the only reason I asked that is, I mentioned earlier on in the show that I wanted to talk about it, I'm afraid to say, and I don't think I'm alone, I think Kooster Kong had quite a poor game yesterday. I think he's maybe been a bit poor the last three or four games. I think we're slowly seeing um, poor performances from him. At the start of the season, we was really happy with um, signing him. We actually signed a centre-back who could defend. Don't mm. get me wrong, I think he can defend. Um, his passing is atrocious. Um, when it's on the ball, he, he just can't pass the ball. Um, then to score an own goal at the weekend as well hasn't helped. Maybe it's not helped his confidence as well. But yeah, I'm not, maybe not as convinced with William Trucy Connor as I was at the start of the season. Um, errors have slowly came into his game. But who would be my preferred centre-back partnership, it yeah. would have to be Serialta. And maybe we'd throw Cabaselli in there to see what he could do with him next to him. Um, there's there's no harm in putting them two together and seeing what they can do when Cabaselli's fully fit. Um, because we have seen weaknesses from Truce Econ at the moment. So maybe now we need to determine who's a better defender. Is it Truce yeah. Econ or is it Christian Cabaselli? Yeah, I think that'll be an interesting one to... to partner up as you say uh, I don't think we've seen it yet this season because I think when Cabaselli was in I don't think um, Sierra Elter had broke into the first team yet so uh, yeah that will be an interesting one I, I love Kafkar and I think he's been a great servant to the club I think he's a brilliant guy but I think even he's looked a bit shaky at times uh, I think at Preston he didn't have the best of games uh, so I I would probably have to agree with you agree with you on that. I'd quite like to see a defensive partnership of Cabaselli and Sierra Elta, because I think Sierra Elta needs to play regardless. Um we've had one of the questions we've had from uh, Bob the Hornet is he reckons that Backman's a bit of a nervous puppy with the ball on the floor and he's he's 
distribution. And do you think he perhaps looked a bit bit nervous yesterday with the ball at the floor, a ball ball on the floor? Get my words out. I think he's looked a bit nervous a bit lately. I think he leaves it a bit too late to clear the ball. I think we've seen this with Foster this season, and then Foster ended up having the ball closed down, and Huddersfield ended up scoring off the end of it. And I don't know if. Man's holding onto a ball for a bit too long, but I don't like it when keepers do that. But then I think the pitch didn't help Batman yesterday either. And I think you touched on earlier saying about Kaminsky looked a bit dodgy as well. And maybe it's down to the surface. Um, you can't really play football on that, but he does look a bit nervous with his ball at his feet at times this season. Other times, I think his distribution's really good. And he, he does play those short passes a bit better than what... Um, Foster would do, but yeah, maybe, maybe um, he, he is a bit um, nervous at the moment. Yeah, um, I think we've um, one of the questions. Well, I think we've had a couple of questions which pretty much regard the same thing. Ben Foster, when he's back fit, we we've said that Backman's perhaps looked a little bit shaky the last few games. And listen, this isn't us doing him a disservice. Me and Ben have both mentioned on this podcast that we feel he's done brilliant since he's come in. But with that in mind that he's perhaps looked a little bit shaky in the last few games, when Ben Foster's fit, would you bring him straight back in or do you think Backman will keep his place? Or do you think Backman should keep his place? That will answer a couple of questions that we've had. I would, I would love Foster to come back and fight for the number one shirt. I don't think he should walk straight back in. Yeah. Uh, maybe if he had like one or two games on the bench and then eventually throw him back in. Because I think Batman's performances, maybe he's deserved to keep the number one spot for a bit longer. Um, I don't think he's really been, he hasn't really been at fault for any of the goals really. Um, yes, he looked a bit dodgy at crosses against Derby, but he didn't concede off them. Um, yes, there was a disallowed goal, but look, that didn't count at the end of the day, so he wasn't to blame there. So I I, I potentially would want to keep Batman in for maybe a couple more games with Foster on the bench. But look, you might need Foster's experience come the end of a season when you're going into these tough games against the likes of Norwich, Brentford and Swansea. So look, there's a long t- long way to go to the end of a season. Um, yeah, unfortunately. So, <laughs> who knows um, at the moment I, I would stick with Batman but I would want Foster to be on the bench and push him every inch to try and get that number one jersey back yeah and look I mean again I don't want to do a discredit to him but perhaps that will help him as you say because without sounding I'm sure he's not cocky at all Dan Batman but he's probably thinking we've had to bring in a third choice goalkeeper before that, he had Adam Parks, who was never really going to get into the first team. So perhaps in the back of his mind somewhere, he might be thinking, right, I'm going to make a good go at it because this is my chance. But at the same time, he's not got anyone pushing him for that number one spot. Whereas when Fuzzy comes back, he's got to think, right, not only do I want to keep fighting for that number one shirt, so to speak, because he's number 26. But, um, but secondly, Ben Foster's back now. And this will really show how good I am. So maybe that will push him an extra few yards. Uh, but like I've said, guys, we're not slagging Backman off. So please don't, fuck, uh, please almost swore then. Please don't, uh, <laughs> please don't at us. Um, but that answers, um, it's underscore Zach Yule uh, and Mike Robbins question. Uh, so we've, we've ticked two off the list straight away there, Ben. Well done. Um, we've had a question from a very, very 
consistent listener of ours, Jamie Davis, uh, who, Jamie, if you, I'm sure you will be listening. We want to thank you so much for the continued feedback that you give us and continued support. It's brilliant. He said, love the pod, guys. With our defenders, what's the situation with them? And who would you play as we've got Dawson still and Cabba coming back? Now, we've touched on that. So we've we've already answered that question. Uh, I'd, I'd be very surprised if Dawson does come back uh, because he's playing absolutely brilliantly at West Ham. And there's even talks of him now receiving an England call-up. Um, so, yeah, he's. I'd be very surprised if we see him come back, Jay. But um, he's also asked Ben, which we like these sort of questions. How do you like your steak done, Ben? Oh, we do oh. like these ones, especially yeah. talking about food. Um, it's, it's it's eight in the morning and we're talking about food. Last week we was talking about Indians and we both ended up ordering an Indian that evening. Maybe I'm going to have a steak tonight now. I had a steak um, last night. <laughs> you have a steak quite regular, don't you? Yeah, I do like my steak. It's always on your Instagram story, you cooking a steak. Yeah, yeah, I do like my steak. I'll hold my hands up for that. <laughs> um, how do I like my steak done, though? Uh, medium rare for me. Um, yes. I like I like a little bit of blood. I like it a bit juicy in the middle. I don't like it when you, you the cow's still breathing on the plate and it's just it's just caked everywhere. There's just blood all over the shot. Um, but yeah, I like medium rare. Uh, what what are you going? With? I do you know what Ben? I used to be that guy. I used no. to have my steaks well done. And I, I swore by all the time. Had it like Miller and Carter. Uh, love Miller and Carter, by the way. I can't wait for them to reopen. I've but, never um, been to a Miller and Carter. You know, mate, you're, you are missing out big time. Probably the best steakhouse. No, I, no, I, no. I There's a place around here called Prime in Chandler Cross, which is just around the corner from the Grove in Watford. And oh my God, okay. they do amazing steak, mate. It melts oh, in your okay. mouth. I'll have to, uh, it's expensive. Um, yeah, I've no doubt. <laughs> me, and, me and my missus have found a little trick, though. On a Monday night, it's to bring yeah. your own bottle so you can save money on alcohol. So oh, we mate. used to do that. Yeah. I'd be bringing a crate. <laughs> I would. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that that I'll uh, I'll have to check that out then, definitely. But uh, Miller and Carter, Ben. It, obviously, it sounds like you've got your preferred steak restaurant, but I think um, I I think you do need to check out Miller and Carter. I think there's one in uh, there's one in Ricky. I think so. Uh, Kings Langley as well. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll definitely give it a go. Kings Langley. That's the one I was thinking of. That's the one I've been to. Um, so yeah, give it a go. Uh, but now I am a medium guy. So and I, I'm I'm partial to medium rare as well. I mentioned last week we've got one of them Japanese takoyaki grills, and cooking on a steak on that is is superb. Um, but yeah, medium rare now. Um, I, I know people that have it like that rare that a bloody good vet could bring it back round to life. So <laughs> it's it's absolutely mad. Uh, I'm not that sort of guy but yeah medium rare gotta be um few few mushrooms as well um add it with a bit of sweet corn last night obviously i can't can't be having chips at the moment because of my, my diet and all that but yeah when when i go out i'll go all out you know um onion rings chips mushrooms the lot the works mate stop i'm starving <laughs> yeah i even though i had one last night i could definitely eat one again tonight so yeah I, we'll see what happens tonight i'm sure you'll find out on twitter guys later on like we did last week with the curry stuff so thanks for that question jamie um ben we've had a couple of questions regarding troy Deeney. um just saying so clive has asked can troy only expect to sit on the bench when fit and then another question we've had from Ashton is, when do you think Troy Deeney will be back in the lineup? 
Ben, listen, we all know how much I love Troy, but I'd be very surprised if he ever plays for Watford again this season. Yeah, because of the form of Joe Pedro and also we don't know how how bad this injury really is. Um, Achilles can take a while sometimes and they're painful yeah. ones to pick up. So, yeah, um, with it being... We're hitting March on Monday, aren't we? So, yes, not crazy. not long left until the end of the season. So, and I I think that he's possibly out of contract at the end of the season as well. Um, so, is, is it the last yeah. time we've actually seen Troy Deeney in the Watford shirt? It's quite no, possible. Don't, um, don't, don't. <laughs> I'm sure we'll dedicate a podcast to him, mate. Don't yeah. you worry. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think it probably is the the last time we see him. It, I, I can't see him starting. Um, if he does come back, he, he doesn't warrant walking straight back into that side because he it would unset unsettle the side because we don't play to destroy strengths anymore. Um, we play completely different and we look much better going forward with Joel Pedro down the middle and he's leading the line better than what Troy Deeney did. Yeah. yeah I, do you know what? I have, I have to agree, Ben. It kills me, but I have to agree. I have to take my Troy Deeney tinted glasses off and I'd be very surprised if he starts a game uh, and I, I think if we're going to see him it'll be a bench appearance to maybe see out the last 10 minutes or so hold the ball up in the corner like he does something like that a bit like uh, Andre Gray did last night uh, but I'd be very surprised if we see him in a Watford shirt again this season and as you say Ben he's out of contract in the summer so uh, I don't want to think about that anyway because it'll ruin my day uh, <laughs> we've Alex Grocock asks is Messina becoming a weak link? I like him, but I wouldn't be against trying Lazar on Saturday. Would you go that far, Ben? I, I don't think I'd bring Lazar in because it's a massive game against Bournemouth. Even though we're 11 points clear of them, it's still a massive game. I think that'd be quite ballsy by uh, Munoth to, uh, to to draft in um, Lazar for, for Messina. Do you, but do you think he's becoming a weak link? My brother was talking to me about this last night. He says, I've been saying it for weeks. Messina's been the weak link in our team. And um, I think last night he didn't have the best of games. Um, if you if you um, think back to when we got relegated and that, I think we both sat down and did a podcast and said about who we would want to keep and who we want to get rid of for the season ahead of the championship. Yeah. I said that I would wanted to get rid of Messina because I, I thought it was a bit of a liability at times. Um, then we we entered the championship season. Uh, he picked up an injury just before it kicked off with a friendly against Scunthorpe United, I think. Uh, and then he, he was missing for a long time. And because we didn't have a, a um, left-back replacement, it looked like we missed him massively um, because we didn't have a left-footed left-back to slot in to help out the side. And Ivic really struggled with that. Um, then he came back. He, he produced that magnificent last-ditch tackle on Pukki against Norwich in, oh, when he came off the bench. Yeah. And then I think he put a couple of good performances in after that. But after that, I think he's slowly going back to what we were seeing in the Prem last season. I think he's inconsistent. I think he dwells on the ball too much. He tries to do tricks. I think he is a bit of a liability. I think he is possibly becoming a bit of a weak spot down that left-hand side. I think teams know they can get at him. And um, just like um, Harvey Elliott did yesterday, he he, he um, jumped on the mistake that he made and put the ball in the back of the net. Um, I think it's a big ask to put Lazar in for the weekend, um, yeah. considering he didn't really play many games at Newcastle. Then he went to Sheffield Wednesday and didn't really play many games there, albeit he, he has got a good reference from when he played in Serie A. Um, but 
it's a massive game a bit against um, Bournemouth at week at the weekend. So I would possibly start Messina again, but if he's if he's um, not up to scratch again, I would maybe look to change him after that for the game that we've got coming up after uh, Bournemouth, which I don't know off the top of my head. I'm just trying to scroll Wickham, through my phone. Wickham, Wickham so yeah, I, th- and I think that's an. I think, yeah, that's an ideal game to maybe give him a start um, and maybe even rest um, Kiko for that one as well and get Inigakia back into the side for a game. So, yeah, uh, I would look to a Wiccan game to give Lazar a start. Yeah, yeah, I I think you've hit the nail on the head perfectly there, Ben. I think you you look at how much we were screaming out for a left-back and then because we had Messina come back in, it was like, oh, right, okay, problem solved. And we perhaps overlooked a couple of his performances cause purely because we had a left-footed, a left-sided player. So, yeah, but now now further down the, the line, we're sort of thinking, uh, you know, he's perhaps not doing as great. Uh, I mean, I quite like him. Uh, he's obviously quite a likeable character behind the scenes. You've seen videos that the Watford Twitter put up and etc. But uh, I, I do quite like him. Uh, I'm going to throw I, something out there quickly. Do you reckon yeah, we could convert convert him into a centre back? Because I've seen lots of people talk about that on Twitter, thinking that he he could he could maybe slot into a centre back role and be one of his um, ball playing mid- uh, centre backs. Do you reckon that's something we could look at with Messina, or um, would you just want to keep him on the left and then maybe just look for a new left back in the summer? I think, regardless, we need to look for a new left back in the summer anyway, depending, yeah. uh, regardless of what division we're in. But I think whether I'd want to convert him into a centre back, I don't know because he's got too many mistakes in him. He likes to do these pirouettes, like we mentioned, and yeah. I don't know if I want that from a centre back. The last real cool-headed centre-back that was able to get away with stuff like that and just be proper cool and calm. Angela. Probably Angela, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then before him was probably Cassetti, uh, the beard. So whether I'd convert him into a centre-back, I, I probably would be against that purely because he's got too many mistakes in him. Uh, I feel like I'm being a bit too harsh on, on him, but I, I, think, I, I just think that these last couple of games... He has probably been the weak link, as you say, and that goal last night didn't help his case at all. Um, so thanks for that question, Alex. Um, Mike Robbins, uh, obviously, he asked about would we bring Foster back in. Uh, he's also asked about our best centre-back partnership, which we've answered. Uh, Mike has said that he's seriously he's um, seriously not sure about William Trooster Kong, uh, which, you know, he's a shame, massively. Um He's also said, I like Wilmot coming on in a midfield three, but do you think Cisco should have played him in front of the back four? Because it looked like at stages, Wilmot was one of the highest midfielders pressing. So do you think he perhaps should have been sitting deeper? Or Yeah, well, I think he, sw- he swapped over with uh, Zinkenigl, who I was saying was playing in that number 10 role. And it looks like yeah. it was a bit odd to see that Wilmot was that further forward and it looked like he was slipping. Uh, slipping into the number 10 role as well. Um, so I, I would have preferred to maybe if made him the deeper of a three in midfield just to sit in front of that back four and give it a bit more security. But Muniz went different yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and then just lastly with Mike's question, do you think uh, Zinkenagel's ready to start a game now, Ben? Or I think he's ready to start a game against Wickham. Uh, at home, I think on a good pitch uh, against yeah. Wickham, I think that's an ideal um, game for him to pick up um, a start. I don't think he'll start against Bournemouth. Um, we need to go into that with Sar, Semmer and Pedro, the front three. But against Wickham, you, you would probably need to rest 
Semen, possibly, maybe saw. Yeah. The game after that, we got Forrest at home, and Forrest looked really good under Chris Hewitt at the moment. So yeah. you'd want our, our front three to be um, all firing for that game. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Bone has asked, is Deeney finished? I think we've perhaps touched on that. Ben, you certainly think that it could be. We, we could have seen Troy in his last appearance for Watford. Um, so thanks for that question, Chris, and thanks for the question last week. Um, James Batchelor, friend of the pods and sometimes third man on the pod, he said, or he asked, if we'd had played this system earlier, 4-3-3, would we be sitting top of the championship? It's an interesting question, James. Ben, do you think, had we implemented this 4-3-3 earlier, do you think we'd be sitting pretty at the top or do you think we still uh, would have had some struggles? I mean, it's a really tough question to answer. It's a, it, I, I would like to say yes, but when you take it back to the start of the season, if we play 4-3-3 with the players that we had, we had a lot of injuries. We didn't really have yeah. a left-back. Um, if it's didn't know who to play up front either at the start of the season. Um, Husey was out the side. Serialta wasn't being played. Would we be sitting top of the table? I doubt it, but maybe our away form might have been slightly better. Uh, maybe we would have been a bit closer to Norwich. Um, but yeah, I, d- I don't think we would have been top of the table. I, yeah. look, I, I just think we, we've picked up momentum at the right time of the season. Some people start the season really well and then drift off like Watford used to do in the Premier League. It would to do this <laughs> December, January, and then our form would go downhill. This time, we, we've kind of limped over the first part of the season and now we've found full throttle and we're starting to push up the table and really put pressure on the top two. So I, I, I wouldn't change anything of how the season's gone this so far this season because I think we've grown as a team and it's actually helped our character. Yeah, yeah, massively. Uh, and I think Ivic was a fan of 4 3 3, but as you said, Ben, he didn't have the players to play it. You know, midfield three. What Dan Phillips, some Delhi Bashiru and Chalaber in the midfield three, perhaps you know it, it could have been something like that because Husey wasn't available. Um, I think, well, maybe swap cleverly for Dan Phillips. Sorry, but you know it, it, we wouldn't have had the players. So, but if we'd had had the players, then who knows? But I, I don't think we would have been sitting top of the league. Um, and then James Hurst asks the last question that we've got: Why did we seem more sloppy in defence than usual? And we've talked about this, I think, but um, it, it was quite a sloppy performance yesterday from the defence. Do you think the weather had part to play? I feel so weird saying that because they're professional footballers, but do you think that had a, a, a game to play, well, a part to play, or do you think I'm as, with as you, we've touched yeah, on? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's difficult to say as professional footballers that they shouldn't really use the weather or the pitch as an excuse, but I think when Watford play at home um, and have the beautiful surface that we play on, I think we're, we're kind of privileged to have that. And then when we travel up north to the teams like Preston and um, Blackburn, where the weather's not as nice as it is down south and the, the pitches aren't as nice because we've just came down from a prem, so maybe we've got a bit more money to invest in it. I, I think it. You, you might look at that and think well, that's maybe why our defence away from home is a bit sloppy at the moment. Um, I couldn't really play it out from a match yesterday. Um, but this, we're saying that it's looking sloppy, but we've conceded like one of the fewest amounts in the division still this season. So yeah, I'm not exactly. concerned about the back four at all at the moment. Still, I think it was but a one-off it, last night. Yeah, a, a little blip. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, and I, I don't mean to sound like Ty from Arsenal Fan TV when I said he, about the raining, because I'll never forget when we beat him. I think it was when Kabul and Dini scored. He did an interview with Arsenal Fan TV at the end. And he goes, you have to remember, it's been raining. <laughs> uh, that was his <laughs> excuse for Arsenal losing to Watford. So I don't mean to have sort of Ty from AFTV vibes, but uh, yeah, I, I think that probably played a part. Uh, and like we've said, Trooster Kong's looked a bit shaky for a few games now, and that will, you know, ultimately that will rub off at some stage onto his centre-back partnership. And um, But it was really, really hammering it down yesterday. So... Um, I'm going to use that as a cop-out, but I, I, I fully expect it's only a blip. So, But yeah, thank you very much for your questions, guys. We really do appreciate the amount of questions that we're getting in at the moment. Um, like I said, those questions like Jamie asked, like Chris asked the other week, we love those sort of questions. So keep those ones coming as well. Just keeps us keeps it light-hearted and, and not serious all the time. Uh, not that we ever are serious, but um, yeah, we Ben big game on Saturday now, so a quick turnaround. Uh, luckily, we've both played on the Wednesday, so no team has got an edge over another. Um, Bournemouth, always a big crunch game whenever Watford's and Bournemouth are playing. We, um, we know it produces a few cards, which actually, it's Thursday, it's two days before the game. Today, on Thursday, our stat pack will be going out. So keep your eye out for the stat pack for this one. There's there's an extra one thrown in about the amount of cards that have been received by Watford. A uh, big shout out to Ben for uh, for nudging me to find that one because uh, that's a very, very good shout. Um, I spoke to Chris from the Back of the Net podcast and we chatted about the game coming up this Saturday and I'll play this interview now and then me and Ben will talk very briefly about the game. So here's that interview with myself and Chris. I'm joined here by Sam Davies from the Back of the Net podcast slash YouTube channel. First of all, as we always do with our guests, we'll just start by Sam, how are you keeping in lockdown, mate? You keeping well? Yeah, very good. Glad there looks to be a path out of it now. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a hard old time not watching uh, football, having to watch on like AFCB TV live, and uh, plus it's not been good to watch either. So yeah, it's not been great. <laughs> yeah, well, um, funnily enough, we spoke to a Derby fan the other week, and one of the things we mentioned was for the reverse fixture, we've both got different managers, uh, and that will be the same for this Saturday. So. Newman in the dugout. Obviously, we have Ivic back then, and we've now got Munoz. Uh, and you've got Jonathan Woodgate. So you've appointed him officially now until the end of the season. Do you think he's equipped to take Bournemouth back to the Premier League? And, and what are these supporters' views on his appointment as a whole? I think supporters are a bit frustrated at the moment, but not necessarily with Woodgate himself, who's shown himself to be a very dignified man. He's been very good with the media. And when you look at the results... He has got results, whereas previously we lost four in a row and it, it was not looking good. He's came in, he's steadied the ship, and whilst performances haven't massively changed, as a caretaker boss, you're not going to go in and rip up the you know, whole philosophy and change it, not knowing how long you're going to be there for. So he's done all right. But the process of the interviews and all this kind of stuff, that's what Bournemouth fans are frustrated with. Mm. Names were banded about like Wagner, Thierry Henry, Jonathan Terry and more. And then it takes two, three weeks and we end up with the guy that we already had. 
So Bournemouth fans are wondering, you know, why were those names even released? Mm. It's like, you know, showing us a, a huge, like, three-course meal only to have a McDonald's burger at the end of it sort of thing. And that, you know what, that's nothing against Woodgate himself because, you know, he's a great character. But, you know, we're fine with it. But whether he'll get us promoted, I'm not sure. Yeah. Sticking with newcomers to the Vitality Stadium, you've signed Shane, Lo- Shane Long on loan from Southampton. Um, will he add something different to your attack? Possibly. So he's not been great for Southampton so far this mm. season. I mean, he's, he's barely been used only in, in cup competitions. And so far for FC Bournemouth, he, he's not particularly been great. He missed a, a sitter in our last fixture at Queen's Park Rangers and he's not been all that effective. Whereas there are players like Sam Surridge that could come in, youthful players, ones that have got something to show and he came on, had an immediate impact. So at the moment, sadly, he hasn't. But I'm hoping that at some point, his experience will actually show. Yeah, no, he's got some record in the Championship. He was part of that Reading team, wasn't he? That um, absolutely yeah. leaps the league. So, um, you mentioned QPR there. He missed City there. You did lose to QPR at the weekend. So, are you starting to feel maybe a little bit of pressure from the likes of Cardiff and Middlesbrough in the table now? Or do you think you, you, you're all right where you are in terms of the, the chasing back behind you? I would like to think that with the quality of squad that we've got, we should make the playoffs. I think if we had had a different manager from the start of the season, I think we'd be challenging up there with automatics. But this division, is, as you guys know, shows that a few wins in a row and you can be right on up there. And it wasn't so long ago where you had a bit of a blip and your Watford fans were thinking, hang on a sec, are we even going to make the playoffs and all this? Whereas now you're looking at automatics, like right on the edge of it. And we would like to be there, but I think we've probably left it too late. You look at Cardiff in seventh, Three points behind us. It's a six-pointer when we play them. Now, we will know whether we are inside the playoffs or outside the playoffs by the time we play you. So, you know, it, it could be a huge match for us. And these are two games that we've got now that, um, that we're really concerned about. But unfortunately, we're now looking down rather than up, which is, yeah. which is not great. Yeah, uh, and, and just looking forward, looking ahead to this Saturday, um, my co-host Ben, um, providing his research has been correct, and I'm sure it has, you've only got a few injury worries at the moment. So are Steve Cook and Jack Stacey both close to a return? Uh, Jack Stacey's still going to be out. He's going to be out for a while. Steve Cook should be back in, hopefully. It, it, it looks as if he's going to be okay. Dom Solanke, he's, he's still out for us at the moment. But other than that, um, we are not too bad. I mean, David Brooks, actually, he's another one that's, that is going to be out for a month, but he's been so ineffective on the pitch recently. You know, you'd think big name. He's a great player for Bournemouth. Yeah, he was, not this season. Um, so his, him being out isn't a problem. But other than that, yeah, we should be OK. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you, there'll, there'll be one familiar name on Watford's team, team sheet for, uh, for Bournemouth fans. Are you perhaps a little bit, sort of worried if, if Gosling was supply. I mean, it looks like from our point of view, uh, providing Chalaba doesn't get booked tomorrow tomorrow night against Blackburn, meaning he'd be suspended for the game on Saturday. It looks like he will probably come off the bench. But you, I mean, what are your thoughts on selling Dan Gosling to, to a promotion rival effectively? And I understand he was, what, fourth choice in, in his position, but still, what, what, what are your thoughts on it? It's difficult because, yeah, with Jefferson Lerma, Lewis Kirk, Jack Wilshire, Ben Pearson, we've got uh, Philip Billing, a wealth of midfielders, and he was never going to get a game. But he's got the one thing 
that all Bournemouth fans are crying out for at the moment, and that's heart. He's got energy, he's got desire, he's an engine, he'll give you a goal threat on the edge of the box. He always popped up with goals for AC Bournemouth. And lots of Bournemouth fans on Twitter have been envisioning, like, oh my God, like, what if it goes to the playoffs and we've got Watford in the final and Dan Gosling pops up in the, in the 89th minute? It could happen. It's... um. It's a real shame, but you know he's going to give you guys a lot, and he's one of the good guys. Um, he's such a professional. You know he doesn't worry about all the social media stuff. He just turns up, he does his job, he goes home, and he just works really hard. And if he just puts in like even seventy five percent, I think a lot of Watford fans will be happy. Probably not a starter, but if he has to, he'll still he'll still do a good job. And you know. One thing I would say is that um, to his credit and, you know, the biggest compliment I could give is that Bournemouth fans, when there's a player that we loved, will always look to see how they've done for their respective teams. So even though it's Watford and rivalry and all that, um, yeah. we'll always want to see him do well, even for Watford. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you, you spot on there. He's, he's Any appearance he's made so far, he's come off of the bench. So I can't imagine he will be a starting midfielder uh, at all. But from what the signs we've seen already, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd run through brick walls for the team. So it's uh, really, really encouraging. Uh, and then just lastly, just to finish off the interview, um, a little score prediction. You know what? For the last few years, we've been teams that just draw against each yeah. other, apart from like the 4 0 at your place and then the 3 0 at ours. I think on the whole, it's mainly been. And if we play to our potential, um, we, we could scrape a win, but realistically, I'm going for a draw. So I'm going to go for a 1 all. Very interesting. Yeah, like you said, draws galore in this uh, fixture. I mean, not recently, as you've mentioned, but usually it tends to be a draw. So uh, I, I think a draw, knowing how we play away as well, I think a lot of Watford fans will take a draw, uh, depending on tomorrow night's game. But thank you very, very much for joining me, Sam. Really do appreciate it. Like I said, Sam is from the Back of the Net podcast and YouTube channel, so make sure you go and check them out. They'll be tagged in the post to this tweet. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much, Sam. And uh, yeah, let's hope for a a nice tasty affair on um on Saturday. Should be a good one. Looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, some uh, some interesting stuff there. It was nice to hear what he had to say about Dan Gosling. Um, he, you know, him saying that they're basically the type of player that Bournemouth wouldn't want to lose, want to lose to a, a rival. Um, but ultimately, it sounds like they they're just. <laughs> It's it's not going well for them at the moment at all, Ben. You know, that was recorded before last night's games and obviously they lost last night. We're now, as I've mentioned, this will be the third time, but I, I could mention it a load more, 11 points clear of them. They've dropped out of the playoffs. So Cardiff are above them. Barnsley are a point outside the playoffs, may I add, but I've been very impressed with them. So Ben, they're banging trouble at the moment. Is this a perfect time to play them, do you think? I must say, commiserations to all the Bournemouth fans for the appointment of Jonathan Woodgate as well. Um, it is such a shame to see Bournemouth struggling. Um, I really like Bournemouth. So I, 
I'm gutted for them. Um, really good footballing side that don't pump any money into their football club, and they they're very unfortunate to get relegated from a um, Premier League last year. So yeah, thoughts with every single Bournemouth fan at the moment. So um, you know what? No, I'm, to start I, I'm with, lo- I thought you were being serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm never serious with Bournemouth. I'm absolutely <laughs> loving this, mate. Um, Eleven points clear of them. Um, they're, they're dropping like flies, and they've appointed John from Woodgate, who nearly got Middlesbrough relegated last year. Um, if it weren't for them sacking Woodgate with a month or two left of the season, Middlesbrough would have gone down. Um, so yeah, really good appointment if you don't want to get promoted. Uh, perfect time to play Bournemouth. They've just lost a game, so that's back-to-back defeats now. QPR and now Cardiff, but Cardiff are banging form. And yeah. like you say, Barnsley, they look good so I wouldn't be surprised if they sneak into a playoff as well because uh, Reading are dropping like flies as well at the moment so it could be Cardiff and um, Barnsley in the playoff come the end of the season God can you imagine that so as it, if, if the table if let's say for argument's sake Reading drop out so Cardiff goes fifth and then Barnsley goes sixth let's say if the table then finished as that we would have Barnsley in the playoff semis and then we will play the winner of Swansea and Cardiff. Now imagine that Swansea and Cardiff as a playoff semi, wow. and it's gutting because the fans won't be allowed back in by then. Um, the fans will be allowed back in by the seventeenth of May, I think Boris said. Uh, so in time for the playoff final. Which um, just quickly, would you want? Would you risk automatics just so that we get a day out at Wembley or sod that automatic? Uh, Let's get automatics, and then next season we're back in the Prem, and it's almost as if this relegation never happened. Yeah, I wouldn't want to piss about. Just get get promoted, and then Absolutely. it's like we, we we was in the Prem when COVID happened, and then we've just missed the whole season of not being able to go to games in the Championship. So it would be like we haven't been away really. Yeah, it'd be um, like so a yeah. weird dream, wouldn't it? It would be a really weird nightmare. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't want to piss about. Just just concentrate on ourselves and get promoted automatically I wouldn't want to have those extra free games the extra free games of stress watching Watford thinking oh, oh it's the last 10-15 minutes oh here comes the onslaught from your position oh we can't clear the ball oh here comes another corner into a box <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely uh, but yeah steering back in the sense of the Bournemouth game little score prediction Ben um, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Watford away win. Um, oh, away. I, I, I would take 1-0 away for the rest of the season if it gets us promoted. Um, yeah. Bournemouth will probably offer a bit more than um, Blackburn last night, attacking-wise. So I'd be happy with a clean sheet and a 1-0 victory. So I'm going to go Joe uh, Pedro with a goal. Sal Pedro again to get his 10th for the season. That would be, uh, I hope he does it. I hope he hits that target of 15 and he's well on course at the moment if he if he keeps his brilliant run of run of games going, run of goals going, sorry. Um, I am going to go with, I think Bournemouth will obviously be more much more attacking. The defence need to sharpen up by then and, you know, will we see a switch at centre-back? We don't know. I'm going to go 2-0. I've gone two 0 the last couple of games, but I'm, I'm confident. Shao Pedro's going to score, and I think Sar's going to score because he didn't. He scored. No, he didn't score there last season, did he? He assisted. He's the one that got the ball back into the box for um, for the Decore. corner. I think. Yeah, uh, that was a brilliant game, by the way. I remember and- watching that in Birmingham um, in a bar. And that was absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go 2-0. Uh, and evidently, uh, also as well, that would mean if we win that, we would then have the fourth, joint fourth best 
away record in the league. So really, the table's concerned quickly because uh, at the moment we join eighth with Birmingham City, who are pretty decent away. Uh, also, talking of Birmingham City, uh, the, our home games in March against Forest and Birmingham City have been chosen for Sky Sports, main Sky Sports, not this red button malarkey, the main Sky Sports, which is absolutely superb uh, for me anyway. Um, but yeah... 2 0, I'm going to go and hopefully inflict more pain and then go 14 points clear of Bournemouth. That would be absolutely mad. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much we've we've wrapped it up as as as, as best as we can. Uh, we appreciate it's probably a little bit longer than usual or probably about the same. We thank you as always for sticking with us. The viewing, the listening figures are going through the roof at the moment. Me and Ben can't quite believe what's going on. So thank you very, very much for that. Um, from myself and from my co-host Ben, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your week. We're almost at Saturday now. We'll be back on either. We'll be back on probably Sunday. We'll confirm that for you. Uh, we're hopefully going to be speaking to a Wickham fan ahead of that game. But like I say, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. Come on, you ones. Sports Social Podcast Network.